We thank you for our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus. Jesus, we love you today. We honor you. We worship you. And Holy Spirit, today as um, as I share this precious word of God, we ask that you would uh, speak through me exactly what you want to say. I ask, Father, that every word will come from you, from your mouth, through me, and that uh, every heart today will be open to hear what it is that you have to say, Lord. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Joel. It was lovely. So today, we're going to be talking about the subject called Jesus, our cornerstone. Jesus is our cornerstone. Isn't that amazing? And um, when we were singing in Christ alone, I, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I don't think I actually even need to share. Because everything is in that song, isn't it? Everything about Jesus, what he did for us, who he is to us, is actually in that song. But um, I feel so privileged today to be able to just chat to you ladies and share a bit with you and, um, and talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus. And what's really exciting about today is that we're going to be talking a lot about building, building talk, building scripture. And that's great because what we're all about, this term as we all know, is building God's kingdom. So, today's topic, Jesus, our cornerstone. So before we go into scripture, what is a cornerstone? I think it'll be good for us to define the meaning of a cornerstone. So, the concept of a cornerstone or foundation stone is derived from the first stone, in the construction of a building. So back in the day, buildings were made from stones. Nowadays, they're made from bricks. But in those days, stones were used to construct a building. In every stone building, one stone is crucial. It is laid first. And it is to ensure that the building is square and stable. It is the rock upon which the weight of the entire structure rests. And that stone is the cornerstone. It is important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the positioning of the whole structure. In ancient times, a cornerstone would be one of the most, one of the largest, most solid stones that a builder had to work with. And he would examine the stones at his disposal very carefully. And he would select the best one to be the cornerstone, rejecting any stone that didn't appear suitable. So isn't that really great? Now we know exactly what a cornerstone is and... um, well, my goodness, that is who Jesus is, isn't it? He's crucial. 
So, our key scriptures for today are Isaiah 28, verse 16, and Psalm 118, verse 20. I'm going to read them for us. If you have your Bible, you can turn to them. Isaiah 28, verse 16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried and tested stone, a precious and costly cornerstone, a sure foundation, firmly placed. And then Psalm 118.20 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So here we see in the Old Testament that it was prophesied that God would lay a cornerstone in Zion. And Zion can be um, seen as a place, a hill in Israel, but it's also a holy place and the dwelling that the Lord chooses. So let's go and look at what the New Testament says about this cornerstone. In Acts 4, verse 10 to 12, it says, By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This is when, um, was it Peter and John came to the gate beautiful? They were on their way into the temple. And there was a man that had been lame from his birth that was lying there. And every day people would give him alms, you know, give him offerings. He was poor. He obviously couldn't make a living for himself. And um, they prayed for him. They said, silver and gold have a none. Peter said, but such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. And he did. He stood up and he leapt and he was praising God. This Jesus, Peter said to them, is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So when we talk about the stone being rejected by the builders, who are the builders? Well, the builders are actually the rabbis, the, the leaders of the Israel, of the Jewish church, of the Jewish faith, because they are the people that God chose to build his building of his kingdom. He, he chose them to be his dwelling place and to be his people. But when Jesus came as the prophesied Messiah, and if we read through the Old Testament, we see there were many places where Jesus was spoken of, and the things that Jesus did and the things that, that um, Jesus went through are, are prophesied. They're spoken of in the Old Testament. But his own people, the people of God, the Jewish people and their leaders rejected him. And that is why he's called the stone that the builders rejected. And um, so that's one thing about that scripture. And the other one is that it says there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So 
when we look at Jesus as the cornerstone, what makes him our cornerstone? How does he become our cornerstone? Well, he becomes our cornerstone when we are saved. And let's read some more scriptures because I think it will be then become clearer. So 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 8 says, As you come to him, talking about Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. So when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the honor of having him as the cornerstone in our lives and of our faith. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Let's read Matthew 18, verse 15 to 18. Jesus said to them, to his disciples, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So when he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, there he's once again saying, here's this living stone, here's this cornerstone, and knowing that he is that cornerstone and that rock that the Lord God, our Father, chose to be the cornerstone of our faith, he builds his church on that. So if we look at this picture, um, that stone right at the bottom that is at the corner is the cornerstone of our faith and of our belief. And unfortunately, those who do not receive him and do not accept him are those who stumble. And that is why it says that this is a rock of offense. When we stumble, it means the definition is to lead something that leads to sin, to waywardness. When we make an error, when we blunder. And it also means to come to an obstacle in belief. Okay. So let's go on and read a few more building scriptures. Are you enjoying the building scriptures? <laughs> so Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone 
Carl, can you just put up that slide? Thank you. So here we have the scripture, and there we have the cornerstone. And what I like about it, it looks a bit like a cross. Some of the cornerstone pictures that I saw, it actually does look like a cross because it has to hold up the structure. Therefore, it needs to be on the corner, and as you see, it also goes around a bit. So let's continue here. Where am I? So we built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So if we look at it, um, if we had another slide, these stones on the sides would be the apostles, and on the other side it could be the prophets. It's the, the word of God, the word that has been preached through the ages is building up this house. Jesus is that cornerstone that holds it all together, but then the teachings of the apostles and prophets continue building it up. And then it says, it goes on to say, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So as the building goes up, as the structure goes up, it includes all of us who have given our lives to the Lord and who love him as our Lord and Savior. So we are also, the Bible tells us, each one of us sitting here are living stones in God's building. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, I never saw myself as being part of a building before. So, yeah, it's quite quite exciting. So, you know, in the Bible, we have so many scriptures about um, God's salvation. And really, this teaching about Jesus as our cornerstone is a salvation teaching. You know, we need to know that the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And there's just one scripture I'd really like to read, oopsie, in connection with that. Um, because for a long time I knew about the saying, you must be born again. But I didn't actually realize that it was in the Bible until quite a, a while back, you know. But it is in the Bible. And in the Bible, in John 3, from verse 3, um, one of the Pharisees came to Jesus, Nicodemus. He was actually um, very interested in, in Jesus and wanting to know more. And he was asking about salvation. He said, and Jesus answered him and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the spirit, one cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not, okay, let's leave it at that. And so basically what we're looking at here is the fact that we were all born um, 
with water. You know, when our parent mother's waters broke, etc., we were born of water. We were born physically into this world. But through Jesus, when we give our lives to him, we are born again in the spirit and we receive our eternal, everlasting salvation. And we need to do that because to Adam's sin, the whole world was separated from God. He cannot look on sin. But he sent Jesus to be this cornerstone to actually come and take our sin and die on the cross for us. When he was buried and rose again, it means that he defeated sin and death. And in his defeat of sin and death through him, we are also not subject to sin and death in the spirit. So this is just speaking about the fact that this cornerstone is essential and crucial to our Christian faith. This is the starting point. The starting point of this whole building that we are part of is Jesus. I want to go back to our um, main scripture, which is Isaiah 28:16, and just talk about that a bit, you know. Um, why does Jesus qualify to be our cornerstone? What makes him so special? I think we all know and we've all got many reasons that we could think of, but I just want to talk about a few reasons that I thought of. So the scripture says, Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried and tested stone. I think we can all agree that Jesus was tried and tested. If we look at it from the beginning, you know, in Philippians 2, it tells us that he did not think it, um, it the, in that equality with God was something to be grasped. You know, he, he left his place in heaven, the actual word of God, uh, the word was made flesh. He, he was willing to humble himself and come down to earth and die for us. And then secondly, Another thing I thought of was the temptation that he went through in the wilderness, 40 days of fasting, and then really being tempted by Satan with everyone, uh, tempted in the flesh, tempted in the spirit, tempted in his emotions, um, really tempted. He went through that. He passed that test. Then, if we read Isaiah 53, um, I was just reading that chapter again. It's, it's all about Jesus, you know. It tells us that he was reviled and rejected by men. You know, he, he walked the earth in fear of his life. You know, the, the, the Jewish leaders were forever trying to, uh, you know, arouse the Jewish people to, um, to kill him. You know, they were trying to kill him because they didn't like what he was preaching about. They, they didn't like the fact that he was saying that he is uh, the Messiah. And so he was um, persecuted. He was um, rejected by the people he came to save, you know. And because of that, we then, all the rest of us, everyone, the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, are able to become part of this building, which is a wonderful thing. 
But so he, he lived this life of being rejected, of being misunderstood, of being reviled, of being persecuted. And then, of course, the worst thing was that he had to go to the cross for us. And, and if I think of when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he, um, there's a scripture about it where he asks God, he says, you know, Lord, let this cup pass from me in Mark, but not my will, your will be done. And it says that he was in such agony that he was actually sweating drops of blood, which can physically happen through stress when our capillaries then break. And we can actually, it's a medical fact, sweat blood, um, which he did because he was in such an agony. He, he was dreading it. He knew what was going to happen to him. You know, he knew what the scriptures had said in Isaiah 53 and in other places. He knew that he was going to be mocked, that he was going to be um, whipped, that he was going to be uh, spat on. He, he knew that he was going to be crucified. But I think, for me, the worst thing must have been that he knew he was going to be separated from God. Because the Bible says that he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And in becoming sin, he would be separated from God because God cannot look on sin. And that for me must have been the worst thing. So he was tried and he was tested, but he came through. And just to finish with that scripture... It says, a precious and costly cornerstone. How precious to God is Jesus? Has Jesus always been? And to us. But here I think it's talking about God who says, I lay in Zion. And costly. It was costly for him to send his son. You know, just imagine. Um, I can't imagine sending my son to something like that. I can't even imagine uh, him going off to live in another country, never mind anything else. But I mean, how costly is this stone, Jesus, that the Lord decided would be our chief cornerstone. Some scriptures say chief cornerstone. And so let's just see if there's anything else to chat about. Yes, there's one other thing that I just want to cover before we finish. And that is that Jesus must be the only foundation on which we build. And we must be careful how we build. And I'd just like to read our final scripture. And that is 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 9 to 15. 1 Corinthians 3. 9 to 15. So it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Yay. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master building, this is builder, this is Paul talking, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, 
which is Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, that's the judgment day, will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what it's saying here is that Jesus Christ must always remain our foundation. I think of another scripture of Paul's where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. So in everything we must do while we're building this house, working together with the Lord to um, bring in other people into his kingdom, which is something so wonderful to do, um, we need to be pointing them always to Christ, to Jesus. To Jesus is the only true saviour. To what Jesus does is what's important. I always uh, remember when my, my son was little and um, he'd be on holiday before he or his sister were allowed to go and play or watch TV, etc. Um, we would have Bible study and prayer. And at one time there was this booklet uh, called What Would Jesus Do? And it was a big thing at that time. I see some ladies are nodding. Um, there, there'd be these um, rubber bangles, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And the book was all about, um, it would share scripture about something Jesus did and just chat a bit how Jesus would react to something, how Jesus would think of something, what Jesus says about something. And um, I've just never forgotten it. And often I'll say to myself, well, what would Jesus do, you know? And I think that's such a wonderful way of um, focusing on him, making sure that he's the foundation. And it's such a great thing that... um, Hebrews 12 says we must look to Jesus always. We must keep our gaze transfixed on him because he's the author and finisher of our faith. And um, sometimes I think we can spend too much time maybe reading books about him or listening to lots of, um, you know, uh, messages, etc. And those things are, can be so helpful But they must never take the place of us actually spending time with him and spending time personally in the word. Um, I know Julia spoke about that a few weeks ago. You know, uh, there's a scripture in 1 John 2.27. It says, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. That's the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. And I always thought, oh my goodness, but that's, I don't understand that. Because the Bible says that he gives us fivefold ministry, including teachers, and it's good, you know, and we have lots of people teaching um, the body of Christ in the Bible, etc. But here, I think it says, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, 
and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. I think it's just telling us here that we do have the Holy Spirit inside of us and that we are taught by him and that we need to trust the fact that we can spend our own time in the word and the Holy Spirit will teach us and we can abide in the Lord in that way. And I just think that's what what, uh, John is trying to say there. So in a nutshell, I just want to read this wonderful um, comment that I found while I was studying this. And it says, God has declared Christ the living cornerstone of a spiritual house made up of those redeemed by him, built upon the truth of the gospel and sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those who trust Christ as Savior are this building, the church. Angel, could you come up, dear? Um, as we finish now, I'd just like Joel to play the, the music for In Christ Alone again. And um, let's just close our eyes and let's just consider a few things. I've just got a few questions um, that I'd like to, us to consider as we close our eyes as Joel plays for us. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, when Jesus saw the Samaritan woman at the well, he told her that he was the Christ. He told her that he was Jesus and that there was he was the Messiah. And he asked her if she believed it. And today I just want us to sit and think, do I believe this? Have I actually received Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And is Jesus the cornerstone of my life? Then I'd like us to think, Am I building on that one foundation, which is Jesus Christ? Is that the foundation I'm building on? Am I keeping that, my foundation, in all things? No matter what happens, does he remain my foundation? Or am I possibly looking at other things to possibly be my foundation, maybe to help me with my fear or or to teach me, or to, um, am I looking at other voices to tell me how to conduct my life, or what decision to make, or am I looking at Jesus, and his word, and what he's saying, and then thirdly, am I a living stone in God's building and household? Do I realize that? And am I doing the work of a holy priesthood, as that scripture in Peter says, a priesthood 
offers sacrifices to God, a priesthood works for God. So am I making a difference in his kingdom? Am I building? Am I building his kingdom? Am I taking up my place as a stone in this kingdom of God and building so that we're together with God, so that this building can grow and so that God's kingdom can advance? So those are just a few questions that we can think about as we sit here. Thank you, Lord. Thanks. Um, Just as I was preparing for this morning, um, I kept being reminded of the lyrics from the song that say, On Christ the solid rock I stand, while other ground is sinking sand. Um, And I love it that worship leaders go and seek the word of God and write songs based on God's word. And so I was reminded about the parable of building on the rock and building on the sand. And I just want to read here. um, So it's in Matthew 7 verse 24. Everyone then who hears the word of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And then it says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. Um, And I just feel that there's some here this morning that just are feeling like they're being beaten by the circumstances of the world. That feel like there's things going on around them um, and you feel like perhaps you're sinking. And I feel like God wants to minister to you this morning. And so I just like, I think there's definitely a response that needs to happen in our hearts. Um, I love those questions that Sue's asked us. So um, is Jesus your cornerstone? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Um, Is Jesus your foundation and are you a living stone?